Hey, welcome into Sports BKC. This is Rustin Dada, the Kansas City Star. It is Tuesday night where we're recording this after the Royals 2-0 loss to the New York Mets in their second game of a two-game series. Uh, here going to wrap up the Royals' first two games of the regular season. They got two games, two days off coming up uh, here with Sam Mellinger at Kauffman Stadium. Sam, what's up? How are you, Rustin? I'm doing okay. I like your shoes. Thank you. Good. Um, they're they're versatile shoes. People make fun of Chuck Taylor Converse because they're kind of cliche these days, but I feel like they're... Screw those people. Yeah, they're like a versatile shoe. Yeah. And we work in a business where you can wear shoes where it doesn't matter. Um, That's right. So if anybody, like, tough guy, radio guy out there in the world <laughs> yeah. listen to this, he can... You they, know. Can, <laughs> they can meet us 60 feet, six, six inches, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's... Let's recap the Royals' first two games of the season. Yeah. Um, do you want to start with the opener or the one we just saw? Um, let's start with the one we just saw. It's fresh on the mind. Yeah. So the the Royals essentially got dominated by Noah Syndergaard, yeah. and I don't and I don't think that's necessarily a reflection of anything on the Royals' part, but he was nasty. Um, Basically was throwing 99 with like a 93 mile an hour slider. 99 with movement. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you give know, me a break. Th- there was a Royals official who was walking out of the game tonight and essentially said, you guys just saw the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. Like he was blown away by how good center guard was. Yeah. Um, and... If anybody wants to feel bad, it's probably the Toronto Blue Jays who traded Noah Syndergaard oh for R.A. Dickey. Um, How good would they be? Yeah, you know, with that with that offense. Like, I mean, the the Royals like um, essentially had no chance really against Syndergaard. Like, he had. Um, I, I think this is right. At least at one point, uh, seven plate appearances against the Royals with a runner in scoring position, and there were six strikeouts and one walk. To Eric Hosmer in those plate appearances, at least of the first seven, and he was basically that good the rest of the time too. Like yeah. I mean, he just um, like you said, like when you're throwing 99 with movement, and you know, I, I know some people are saying like the Royals were uh, chasing pitches outside the zone. Like one, that's what the Royals do, and two, that happens when you're throwing 99 with yeah. movement. So um, I, I just. They got they got beat by a, uh, the better pitcher. Um, I, I don't think anybody in baseball. I don't think there's um, out of the twenty nine teams that, that that Noah Syndergaard can face. Like, I, there's nobody that would have beat him today. That was crazy. No, I mean they could have probably cashed in a run in the first inning after Escobar had the leadoff triple. So there's, I mean, you'd like to, yeah, but, but like I don't know how you. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, I mean. Even when they loaded the bases in the sixth inning, they loaded the bases on an air drop third strike, uh-huh. two fielders' choices, which really could have been double plays if sure. you actually have some good some good infield defense. Yeah. And then there was a single and a walk. Yeah. It, it was like kind of a classic Royals rally, but it wasn't like they were really having – it's not like they had Syndergaard on the ropes at no, any point. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was sort of like – they stumbled into this opportunity to score, and then Syndergaard threw a 95-mile-an-hour slider followed by yeah. two 93-mile-an-hour sliders, which Ned Yost said after the game that he didn't think there was anybody on earth yeah, that was a great who, could have, who could have hit those pitches. He's probably right. 
You know, like I mean, that, that was crazy. They, they had no chance today. They had no. That, the Royals are, are have a really good chance of making the playoffs again, and um, you know, really good chance of playing in the World Series and all that. And they had no chance of it. Yeah, today. It, it, this is kind of makes you wonder. The Mets have Matt Harvey and they have Jacob Degrom, who are really frontline guys. But I don't think like. I think Syndergaard has a chance to be better than both of those guys. I do too. I do too. I mean, I, like, I, I don't I, know how durable he's going to be, but man, he was nasty. Well, some of it. Um, this is a little inside baseball, but he never threw a slider much last year. Um, I, I think I read a story where where he only started throwing it in September, and that is a big time pitch for him. Um, you know, because it, it's a little bit of a. It sounds stupid because he, he's throwing it ninety three, ninety four, but like it's a little bit of an off speed pitch for him. <laughs> Um, and it's got a ton of movement. It's a strikeout pitch. And um, he was good last year before he started throwing the slider. And, and now with the slider, he's just um, – if that guy makes 33 starts this year, I mean, he's going to win the Cy Young and he's going to have an all-time kind of year. That, that yeah. was nuts. That was marvelous. I, I feel like we're probably overblowing a little bit just because it's the second game of the season. This is what you do. But, like, there's never been a starting pitcher who's throwing 99 – with the regularity that he does. You know, it was where I was thinking about this. Like, Kelvin Herrera came in to throw the seventh. Well, I think it was the seventh, right? Yeah. Seventh or eighth or whatever. And, like, he was not throwing as hard as the starting pitcher <laughs> on the other side. And I, I don't think that's ever happened before. So, so the Royals lost 2 0. They're 1 and 1. They're going to have two days off. Um, stupid. Here, which is. Okay, it's stupid unless you're the the B writer who <laughs> who doesn't have to work as much right, right. the next couple of days. There you go. So and I'm you got actually ten straight coming up after that. Yeah, I'm Starting actually I'm actually okay with this um, this two day break. That's fine. Yeah. In fact, baseball. Hey, you know, think about it. Right. You know, <laughs> like you what's know, wrong with an eighty two game schedule? You know, works in the yeah, NBA. What's wrong with an occasional two two days in a row <laughs> off per right. month? You know. Right. Play a doubleheader like on a Sunday, and you know, and then take two days off or something like that. But wouldn't the beat rider rather have like one day off, and then instead of ten days straight, it's like four games break, then six games? Yep, probably. But but we'll we'll enjoy these yeah. next couple days. People are feeling really sorry for you too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, let's let's recap the first game. Yeah. It's still sort of fresh, and then we can talk about other kind of topics that don't necessarily matter that much at this point in the season. But the Royals open with a victory, um, kind of a classic Royals victory, four yeah. to three on a lot Sunday. Of um, anything that you took away from that game, other than the obvious kind of this is sort of what the Royals do, and it well, looks like they're going to do it again. Like, not. Really, I, I guess there were two things. One was um, there was that ball that Cespedes misplayed in left field. It was an easy fly ball. It, it's the kind of ball that you know you go watch a game in the Sunflower League, and whoever's playing left field makes that play. Um, he actually misplayed a, another ball tonight. He came in on a ball that ended up bouncing on the warning track. There were a few defensive miscues like that um, that the Mets made, and it just. It, when you think about it, those are the plays that you don't see the Royals make yeah. much. You know, they, they have um, kind of an everyday, every pitch concentration that I think is like really important and really impressive and kind of like a huge 
symbol of their evolution from the days when when, when they were terrible. Um, the other thing, and this is kind of a, a you know a parallel point, but um, I was kind of impressed with you know how they played after what I know was an emotional you know f yeah moment for them when they when they watched the video yeah. with you know Lucas Duda, Noah Syndergaard, and all those guys like lined up down the third base line. They're watching that video. The trophy is on the field. The the flag goes up over the Hall of Fame building. Like I thought, um, I think I may even said this to you. Like I I thought they were gonna lose. I thought they were gonna lose like six to one, and you know just because like the focus was all about that pregame celebration. That would have been super easy to do, and and they did. They they won the game. They beat a good pitcher. They beat a really good team um, that's probably gonna be in the playoffs again. And and I just I there there's something about there's something about that. Um, there's something about what that says about the team that I think is really impressive. Yeah, you know what stuck out to me, and this is slightly what we saw in the World Series, but like the Royals' defense is obviously really good. But what stands out when you play a team like the Mets is the Mets, like you know, Cespedes dropped the ball and they had some other kind of defensive wobbles in the series. But it's also like there's two or three guys on the Mets who are like not really good defenders i mean like yeah. there's duda and then there's uh-huh. there, you know the shortstop as dribble cabrera sort of maybe not as strong as he once was when he was younger and so like there's just there's spots on the field where like a ball is hit and you instinctively think like oh that you know that might be an out and yeah. then it ends up dropping like the royals don't have like anything really in their defense no. that ever seems like it's like a, a, a hole or a weakness or a you know, like last year, maybe for instance, there was there was stretches in right field where where yeah. Alex Rios would have some some issues or wouldn't have maybe the range or wouldn't get to a ball. Right. But it's like it's, it just seems like there's never any doubt that plays are going to be made. Yeah, like I, I don't have these numbers right in front of me, but um, like I, I think it would be interesting to look at um, like. ERA, like earned runs given up versus runs given up, you know, and, and I think that the Royals probably rank a lot higher in in the American League in runs given up than they do earned runs given up, just because like the yeah. defense, you know, protects that. Like, um, you know, the the one defensive, and and this was wiped away when they traded for Ben Zobrist, and, and I'm kind of um, interested to see how this plays out during the year. The the one defensive weakness that that always stuck out to me was Omar Infante's arm. Omar yeah. Infante has terrific footwork um at second base like turning the double play like it's it's beautiful it's 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 what a second baseman should look like but you know that arm and shoulder just were not allowing him to make strong throws and uh i know he feels healthier this year and so maybe that's not going to be an issue but that's something that that you know the one thing but you know even that they got a backup playing you know christian cologne can can play the position so um but you know that is really nitpicking you know, because they've got, um, I know he's never won a gold glove, but they got a gold glover in center, uh, gold glover in, in, in left, um, the guy who won the gold glove in short, first base catcher. I mean, they've got, they, they, they've got it all covered. Awesome. So uh, let's take a quick break and let's, uh, we'll be back and maybe preview the rest of the week for the Royals and um, talk a little bit about uh, the next couple weeks. Hey, we're back. Um, you're listening to Sports BKC. Rustin Dodd here with Sam Mellinger at Kauffman Stadium after the Royals two to nothing loss to the Mets on Tuesday afternoon slash evening. Okay, Sam, um, the Royals are gonna have two days off here, and then they're gonna play three games against the Twins. 
Then they're going to go on the road and play the Astros. And then they're going to go out to Oakland for their kind of their first uh, road trip west coast swing. So they're going to start playing some games like on an everyday basis, unlike their first week here, which has been sort of strange. But it's still going to be sort of the first two weeks of the season. And the question is, and I think you wrote about this for the newspaper on Wednesday, but it's been two games, so this is like even an extreme version of it. But like, sure. when when is it okay to make any sort of, um, uh, what's the word? Any like sort of judgment. Any or, sort of judgment yeah. on the the Royals or certain players or anything regarding the 2016 baseball yeah. season. Um, what is like, how much time do we have to wait? So um, I asked a bunch of people that question, and, and Ned said, uh, Ned Yell said two weeks, uh, two weeks of games. Uh, Eric Hosmer did not have an answer. He said, he even said, that's a great question. Uh, he said he just doesn't have an answer. He doesn't know because, you know, three weeks, a hot three weeks can change a, a bad season. A cold month can, can change a good season. Um, Joaquin Sawyer said it depends on who's asking. And he said if it's the owner, you want to be performing well at the time. And, uh, you know, if it's a fan, you better perform well the, the night before. Uh, Moustakas, like, Mike Moustakas wouldn't answer the question on an individual basis, but he said as a team, like, he looks at the standings after the All-Star break, which is a long time from now. I've always thought May 1st is, you know, like, yeah. give me a month, and, and uh, or at least the better part of a month. And, you know, if you're knocking the cover off the ball, like, Okay, that's cool. You still have five five months to go, but that's more than that's more than just a hot week or two. You know what I mean? I, I know that um, Dayton Moore, um, and, and he's not unique in this, but you know Dayton has always talked about forty games. You know, a quarter of the season to to kind of judge your team and, and know what you need and stuff like that. You know, coincidentally, that's that's why um, you know when they, when they used to fire their hitting coach every every year. It was right around May first yeah, or all, right a little bit after yeah, that. It was always like Memorial Day. Yeah. <laughs> They, they were like that was forty games. So, um, to, but to me, it's always been about a month. You know, you know, like like that was like Mike Mustakis is a good example. Last year, yeah, um, he was Babe Ruth in April, and and that was long enough that like he's not going to be Babe Ruth for six months. But that was long enough to for me at least to kind yeah. of be confident that like he's a different hitter. Yeah, I think so. I think there's two different parts of this conversation. I think one is like how how long to judge a guy or judge the team. I think I think 40 games is the right thing. But I do think that you can't necessarily make, like, wholesale judgments. But in terms of, like, being concerned or yeah, alarmed right, right. with certain things that are going on with the team, I think you can almost do that in two weeks. Yeah. You know, like, like, Joaquin Soria gave up three runs in the opener. And the opener is magnified, so that gets discussed. But it's sort of like cares that he gave yeah. up three runs in the opener like if he went out and threw a scoreless inning today he looked pretty good he looked good in spring training yeah. he said his command was off the first day he gave up a couple of bloop singles it's like it was, i don't know it's just like sort of fluky but if you went out over the next two weeks and had um like three bad outings yeah like it might not be ready to like make judgments on joaquin soria but at least then it would be like sort of like okay like what's going on. going on yeah like something might be wrong right. with him like what's going on yeah whereas like, i feel like even if it's like he gave up three runs in the opener and somebody on on twitter was like and they won four to three and somebody on twitter was like 
the only sound, the only post-game reaction I want is from Joachim Soria. Yeah. And it was sort of like, but, like, what's, you know, is one game? Yeah. Like, what's... And some of that is, like, case by case, too, right? Like, uh, you know, like, Joachim Soria is a man with a track record. Yeah. This is his, I think, ninth big league season. Um, he's been an all-star. He had a ERA around two and a half last year. Um, you know, you, you kind of feel like you know what you're going to get. Like, you know, Raymond Fuentes, like, you can't really say that about Yeah. Him. You know, like, um, if, um, if, if Ray Fuentes and Alex Gordon have the same stats after two weeks, like, you're a lot more concerned about one of those yeah. guys than you are the other. So some of it's case by case, but, um, gosh, it's just like the, the, the overreaction and, I hope we're not like I said we I hope I'm not like picking a straw man here you know yeah. but like I don't I, I think I, there is a little bit of that but it's but it's true it's like is there any comparative thing in other sports for like the first 2 to 3 weeks of a baseball season in terms of like just you got to basically consume it with basically like huh like none of this really matters I mean like it matters in terms of like there is going to be wins and losses yeah. And you don't want to bury yourself, the, but the in only... terms of making judgments, it's it's almost the the data size is so small that it's like yeah. it's hard to do. The, the only thing that that comes closer, like maybe this is like just the first thing that's popping in my mind, um, and it's something you have experience with, is the annual December freakout about KU basketball. Yeah, when you know they they lose to Davidson at the Sprint Center, or like uh, you know whatever, like people, oh this is the year they suck now, you know whatever and then you know by the end of the year it turns out it turns out okay like because even in an nfl year um like one or two games like that is a chunk of the season and and those are games that happen like um you know and and those i, I think that the first like because it, it's the same relative chunk of the season i think the first nfl game is is a i feel more comfortable making a judgment off of one nfl game than i do 10 major league baseball games and it's, yeah. and it's kind of the same the same chunk of the season but i don't know it's just like there, there's so many games that you just forget like in the summer we go on vacation or you know you just hang out with your buddies for a weekend or whatever and you don't watch any baseball those games count you know yeah. but you don't ever think about them they count the same as, as these games right now that, that we're all you know kind of focusing on well it's i don't know if you watch sports and you consume sports it's like you want to discuss it with people yeah. and, and think about it and it's like what are you supposed to say it's like well like interesting interesting game tonight fellas yeah. like uh that's how i felt right in my column tonight actually. <laughs> interesting game tonight fellas let's yeah. let's all be rational people and and just take it for what it's worth see you tomorrow <laughs> like it's that doesn't make for great uh copy or great for uh like oh hi hi ho cheerio mates like another game tonight <laughs> yeah yeah it would have been a lot better if i could just just pull out the skip bayless or something on on the royals in t today's column but instead i wrote it was a struggle please read it on kansascity.com yeah but um so the this is a, a another kind of hot takey speaking of of that sort of question um, but the Royals started seven and zero last year. Was it seven and zero? And then they, yep. and then I think they were like nine and three. And so, does that like they're obviously like let's just 
put it out there. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll be wrong in a week. But let's go ahead and assume they're not. They're not. Well, they're not going to start seven and zero. That's a fact. That's a fact. And they're likely not going to start nine and three. Um, I think it's more realistic that this is like a twelve and eight team in like twenty games, or sure. you know, eleven and nine, or you know, thirteen and seven. Maybe you know, who knows? But something in that neighborhood. Does that also have no really bearing? I mean, you obviously. Wins count in April like they count in September, but psychologically or anything like that, does it matter what the Royals' record is in 20 games as long as they're in that sort of like window of yeah. a game or two around 500, maybe game or two over? Well, you know that saying, like they always say you can't win a golf tournament on Thursday or Friday, but you can lose yeah. it. Um, like I, I think that that's true in baseball. You can't, you, you can't win a division. Um, in April, um, or you can't win a division in the first twenty games. But if you start three and seventeen or something, or five and fifteen, um, you know you might be buried, especially in um, a division like the American League Central, and especially in a league like the American League, where like unlike the National League, where you've got six, maybe even seven teams that really aren't trying to win. Um, you know everybody's trying in the American League, and um, so I, I think that part of it, it, it is important, but. Um, unless it's something like the five and fifteen or four and sixteen, like I just think I think this group is past that kind of thing. You know, like I, you used to worry about them playing in front of big crowds. Do you remember that? Yeah. You used to worry about like you know George Brett was brought in to be the hitting coach to, in Dayton Moore's words, mentally save the team. You know, they needed a swag coach, and that's what they brought George in to do. And and I think that this group is beyond that I, I don't think like you know if they're 10 and 10 or 8 and 12 or something like that there i mean there's no panic you know yeah. like, I, I think they'll they'll be fine with that yeah you know what you mentioned i do remember like when luco shaver went out on opening day and got lit up yeah. in 2012 you know ned yost i was having a conversation with him during spring training we were talking about the low points uh-huh. of of his tenure and in in kind of true ned fashion he he kind of said, you know, there weren't low points, you know, sure. just, but then he's sort of at this end of this conversation, he sort of conceded like, well, of course there were low points. Yeah. And he, he sort of, and one of them was he mentioned, he's like, you know, I remember one opening day where, you know, we just got hammered and like Luke had a rough day yeah. and he's like, they was ever, you know, and I was like, yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, I mean, I'll never forget this. It was the home opener when the season opened. Yeah. But- um, it was a home opener, and they were booed 16 minutes after the yeah, first pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think they gave up seven runs in in the first. It was, and and that was two. I forgot which year that was. And the, it was, was that twelve. Eh, that might have been twelve. Uh, Although the, it was it the same year where they started out zero and they lost, I think they lost seven or eight in a row at home, and they started like three and twelve. They did not win a home game. Yeah. I think until May. I think that was the same year. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they opened. I think in that was two thousand and. Um, I think that was twelve. That was our time. That was the our time gang. <laughs> um, yeah, the, like I mean, there were a lot of bad. I, I remember there was like one year Zach Grinky uh, was pitching the. It must have been the season opener, um, but either way, like there was a pop fly that you know like landed Ooh. around the pitcher's mound, you know, and, and like nobody caught it, and he had this great quote. He's like, "I was just looking around, like where is everybody? Yeah. Where did everybody go?" And like, you know, I, I think they're beyond and. They were so fragile at that time. Not that they were good, you know, talent-wise anyway, but they were so fragile that that Zach year, um, e- even in 12, obviously, uh, that that stuff would affect them. But um, 
I, I just I, I really believe that this group is beyond that. Yeah, I think I remember that specific play because I think it included Willie Bloomquist <laughs> making the opening day start at third base after Alex Gordon had one of his uh, injuries. I don't know if it was oh, his, yeah. his thumb or his hip or it was one of those. That might have been the year that, that Alex got hurt in spring training yeah. sliding head first. The th- was that the thumb? Uh, the thumb or wrist yeah. or something, yeah. But, yeah, I remember that. But it it also reminds me of we like the Royals aren't that far removed from those days right. yet like I've done a lot of uh, like radio and, and some TV stuff during spring training and this this afternoon I was doing an MLB network thing right before the game and much like the same questions that they ask every time Brian Kenny asked you know is this team still hungry you know mm-hmm. sort of that question sure. and every time I answer this question you know, it's sort of what Ned Yost has said all spring training that the guys have said, you know, like they think they can make history and they are like closing in on a sort of quasi dynasty if they would win another American League title and they could, you know, do stuff that only a you know certain number of teams have done. And every time you say this out loud, it almost like I instinctively say and how crazy does that sound? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> because it's like there is a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. it's like you you, you're saying this like the Royals think they have a chance at a dynasty, and as you say those words, you say, "Yeah." Am I saying like what? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of scar tissue built up from a lot of bad yeah. years where you just, um, you know, that was the Royals' identity was that they were crappy. Um, that whole thing, like it, it is weird though, right? Like it's a legitimate thing to ask, um, you know, the are they hungry thing because. If 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 they go five hundred this year, if they never play in the playoffs again until uh, you know Raul Mondesi is hitting cleanup or whatever, like if you know what I mean, like if, yeah. if this group is done winning in the postseason, this group is like the best Royals team ever. You know what I mean? Like um, Eric Hosmer and Sal Perez and a lot of these guys will be in the Royals Hall of Fame, and um, you know I think Alex Gordon has a chance to have his number retired by the Royals someday, like, um, a chance. Like, I mean, they've already accomplished so much. They've accomplished more than a lot of guys accomplish in their big league careers who have good careers. Um, So there is a human nature thing that goes against that, you know? But, like, it's easy to forget this now, but, like, after 14, they could have come into 15 not as hungry, you know, because they were the group that broke through. Uh, But so I I just – I think that – and the other part about that, too, like, maybe this is more practical – is that um, with the exception of Alex Gordon, like, you know, these guys haven't, this is a group that hasn't been paid yet. Yeah. You know, like they have a lot of like individual incentive to keep going, especially Eric Hosmer, especially Lorenzo Cain. You know, he hasn't hit free agency yet. Mike Moustakis, um, you know, Sal Perez just got a, a contract, but he's still, you know, playing to, to build up who he is as a player. I mean, that that's the other thing that, that they've got going for him too. Yeah. Um, okay, let's wrap up here. Yeah. And... One, I've got a couple of things. One, a confession, Sam. We uh, we recorded a podcast in when I was in Surprise still last week, and you were in Kansas City, and we did it over the phone. And we did it for like 42 minutes, and for some reason, it cut off after 26 minutes. Bastard. So it never, never saw the light of day. Yeah. 
Although we could have just posted it with like us cutting out in the middle of uh, <laughs> talking about Wade Davis being one of the best relievers ever. Right. Um, but we, we ended up not getting posted. So, one, people are never going to hear that conversation about Wade. Great conversation. Yeah, about Wade being one of the best relievers ever. And uh, we also didn't get a chance. We previewed our Royals uh, preview section, which came out on Sunday. And we right. talked about some of the stories in there. And that never got posted either. So, if you haven't gone to KansasCity.com or picked up uh, a paper from Sunday, they're probably still around. Um, you can uh, check those out. Sam wrote a really good story about um, the – well, there were two um, – the first one, I'm trying to remember. I'm getting curious. Yeah, it was the memories. Yeah. I was about to say the moments, the memories, the yeah. five seconds after the championship, which Valhe wrote about. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of savoring the moments in this thing. There was. There was a lot of it was a lot a of moments. A lot of, a lot of moments. A lot of stories about moments in this uh, in this preview section, which maybe it was almost a review section right. in some ways. But uh, that was good. And then you also wrote about Johnny Gomes's. Um, the speech before the speech, speech. The speech before the speech, which yeah. he did at the hotel in New York, and is sort of an urban legend, which has now been confirmed <laughs> and documented for all time. <laughs> right, right. Um, Internet is forever. So, on a, like, on in your journalism career, how does watching Johnny Gomes's speech on Christian Cologne's cell phone? Where does that rank in terms of? coups right. that sam has pulled off it was really cool man like uh it was funny because like i i talked to cologne right after i had talked to uh hosmer and chris medley and both of those guys were like super secretive they're like you're not getting the good stuff from me and like this is all i'll tell you or whatever and then uh i talked to cologne about it a little bit and i just like the whole idea of johnny gomes you know um, a little intoxicated and standing on a table in a hotel room, you know, giving this like incredible, like Barack Obama at the 08 inauguration kind of speech. Yeah. Like I just, I wanted to see it. And the, uh, yeah. And the cologne was like, I've got the video on my phone. I was like, really? Um, so he had to clear it with Johnny, with, with Gomes. Um, you know, they, they still talk regularly, but it was really cool to watch. Like um, the, the thing that sticks out to me is he's just standing there. Gomes is, um, and he's in, he's on top of a table, like stepping over like cans of beer and boxes of pizza and, um, like completely commanding the room. And he, he was clearly like intoxicated as he well should have been. Um, but he was like, he'd be slurring his words and then he would get to a part of the speech that he knew was really good. And he would like articulate perfectly and he would nail every syllable. Uh, it was really like the, that instant transformation was like kind of spooky and really cool to see yeah I, so do you i wonder johnny gomes is playing in japan right now or is it japan yeah. or korea it's japan. japan yeah so we can't know for sure if he prepared that speech or just pulled it out yeah i'm sure he had some of it but it, yeah. it was really cool like i mean it was what you did to like what do you say like heart and talent and balls and something else like brains or something like that it was it was, it was a really it was really well done Okay, and then um, also check out, there's a story about Wade Davis in there. Yeah, and that was great. Um, but I will say, and that story was great, but it was not as good as the Dayton Moore story. Really? I think so. I love that Dayton Moore story. No. Well, you keep downplaying it. It was great. Okay, well, I wrote about a story and about Dayton And the Wade Dayton Davis Moore. story was great. 
Yeah, the Dayton Moore story was in today's paper, yeah. uh, and it's around CanCity.com, uh, so check that out. And we'll be back next week uh, with hopefully like more interesting stuff to talk about, in addition to not judging... Um, the Royals after two games yeah. don't don't judge this podcast in the first week of the season <laughs> yeah, yeah. like let it just let it play out you know right. like let it let it get some sample size before God, you uh, before you get too worked up about the podcast um, but hopefully they'll be as the Royals continue to play the podcast will be more interesting that's right so as always I'm Rustin Dodd with Sam Mellinger you've been listening to Sports Beat KC we'll be back next week